This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts. And I'm Craig Williams from Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court and also have a book out called How to Get Sued. Bob? And I write uh, legal blog watch for law.com and my own blogs, Law Sites and Media Law. Today on our program, uh, we have a very special show. We're going to be joined by a legendary attorney, Jerry Spence. And we're going to be talking to him about his most prominent cases, life as a trial attorney, his founding of the Trial Lawyers College, and stepping into the world of blogging. So let's get right to it and uh, introduce our guest today. Jerry Spence was born and educated in Wyoming, where he's practiced law for nearly 50 years. He's spent his lifetime representing the poor, the injured, the forgotten, and the damned, as he puts it, uh, against uh, large corporations and large government. He has tried and won many nationally known cases, including the Karen Silkwood case, the defense of Randy Weaver at Ruby Ridge, the defense of Imelda Marcos, the case against Penthouse Magazine for Miss Wyoming, and other important uh, criminal and civil cases. He's never lost a criminal case and hasn't lost a civil case since 1969. Uh, he's had more multi-million dollar verdicts without an intervening loss than any other lawyer in America. Uh, and uh, he is also the founder of the Trial Lawyers College, which has established a, a revolutionary method of training lawyers for the people. He's the author of 12 books, including the bestseller, How to Argue and Win Every Time. Uh, and uh, uh, notably, uh, Jerry Spence has recently launched his own blog as well. So welcome to the show, Jerry Spence. Well, thank you. Should I bring your Should I bring your my biography up to date a little bit? Please do. Uh, yeah, p- please do. <laughs> we can start right there if you'd well, like to do you that. Know, I, I hate I hate not to make reference to the last four books that I've written. So, so I've, I've I've written published sixteen books, and um, and uh, you know those are they are they're like your children. You don't want to if you have sixteen children, you don't want to only mention twelve of them. That's right. And then, because... and then let's see what else I wanted to say to you. Yes, I've just finished the defense of um, of uh, Jeffrey Figer in in um, in um, Michigan, where he was charged with election violations by the federal government, and uh, that was a seven week trial that uh, that uh, was. Extremely revealing about the use by the federal government of the Department of Justice to try to rid itself of its of its political enemies. And uh, yes, I have been practicing for over fifty years, actually fifty five years. So now I think you've got me pretty well up to date. Well, I do, and and I I actually I I thought I had read somewhere that you had indicated you might be retiring uh, after you finish the Figer trial, but I don't see any signs of that. Is that is that happening? Well, I try not to lie to juries, only if I have to, and I don't. I I certainly didn't ever think I would ever try another another criminal case, and I may not. 
but if one comes along and I have to come out of retirement, to, uh, that, that I just have to come out of retirement, just have to do that, just <laughs> have to, well, then I'll have to. What makes something for you, what would make something have to come out of retirement? What's the kind of case that, that just gets get your imagine. juices flowing? Uh, you know, it's, it's like when you are a young person and you um, are strutting around and people say to you, uh, what is it that would make you fall in love? And you say, I can't imagine. I don't know. I but sometime along the way, you fall in love. So, you know, I can't tell you. You've, you've said that when you enter a courtroom, it occurs to you that you, it never occurs to you that you're going to lose. How, how do you get that sense of self-confidence? Well, it isn't. You, you see, the, the, the very issue of loss is, is, um, has something to do with, has something to do with, first of all, preparation. Um, I, I see I see trial lawyers in the same way as I see uh, fighters in the in the uh, boxing ring. Uh, a fighter doesn't go into the boxing ring unprepared, unless he is, and then he will lose. Um, if he comes into the boxing ring all hanging out all over with his belly sloppy and his um, uh, and his jowls hanging, and um, he will lose. But if he comes into the boxing ring having spent uh, countless, countless days and weeks preparing, um, he, he is more intent on the fight. Uh, and that's what happens to me. When I walk into a courtroom, I become, I, I, I become absolutely glued to the fight, to I become focused on it. I become the fight. I become involved down to the toenails. And there isn't any room for thinking about loss. There is only room to think about the fight. Jerry Spence, early, earlier in your career, you started out as a, uh, a prosecutor and then as an insurance defense lawyer. Oh, How did you yes, make yes, the yes, transition yes. to uh, uh, criminal defense and, and plaintiff's to, you lawyer? Have to, you, have to, you have to, we all have sinned, you know, and you have to, <laughs> you have to explain to the world that, that I have indeed sinned. I was a prosecutor. I started as a, I, I ran for the, for the office of a, of the prosecutor of Fremont County, Wyoming, when I was 23 years old, just out of law school. I couldn't get a job. There wasn't any, and I had a family, and I didn't, the prosecutor wouldn't hire me because I'd failed the bar. Um, and I, I passed the bar, but, uh, the second time, but he wasn't going to hire somebody that was the first honor graduate from the University of Wyoming that failed the bar. There must be something wrong with me. And so I didn't have any choice, but I went out and, and, and knocked on all the doors in this county, which is a, geographically as large about as Connecticut, and uh, went out on the reservation and did what we call teepee tapping, talked to all the Indians, talked to all the ranchers. Uh, and I got elected at 23 as a prosecutor and was reelected for another four-year term, so I, I spent eight years as the prosecutor and learned how to try lawsuits there. Then, then, you know, I was so happy that the insurance companies came along and wanted to hire me. 
I thought that was such a wonderful, wonderful confirmation of my having come of age and being useful and great. You know, all the great lawyers in Wyoming represented insurance companies. Uh, just, just the poor lawyers represented people. And I was a prosecutor, and then I was an insurance company lawyer for a long time until one day I realized that that was a terrible way to spend my life. Well, and, and so how did you redeem yourself at that point? I can remember I'd, I'd been in court, and I'd... I'd um, there was this poor old man who had been run into by my drunk client, a woman we called... She she was uh, but she was insured of course and I was representing the insurance company and we brought her into court the courtroom with her kind of a silly old hat on and she sat there kind of helpless looking and I took after this man this poor man he'd spent his lifetime working at at the refinery in Casper Wyoming and was wanting to retire and go into and to take his grandchildren to to, to some to Disneyland, and uh, he was injured so badly that he couldn't do that. This old this woman ran into him and and uh, and injured his spine so that he wouldn't be anything but a, a bucket of pain for the rest of his life. And I um, I talked the jury into giving him nothing. I can remember standing in the Safeway store line the day that that afternoon, and after the jury came in with its verdict, getting some some goodies to uh, to celebrate. And here this old man was in front of me, standing in line, and I could see he was in pain. And um, I felt suddenly some shame, and I said. Uh, I said, well, I'm sorry, sir, the way this came out. He said, oh, well, Mr. Spence, he said, uh, don't let it bother you none. He said, uh, you were just doing your job. And I thought to myself, is this my job? Is this the way I want to spend my life? Cheating old men by because I can speak to a jury better than his, his lawyer's. That, that I can deprive him of a, of a of a life that he's entitled to and to justice. And the next morning I got up and I wrote 50 or 60 letters to the insurance companies telling them they'd have to get somebody else to do their work. I haven't represented an insurance company since. Or a large corporation or big money. Well, I have to say I did defend a banker once, but that was because Imogene said that a banker was entitled to justice too, but it was a criminal case against a nice banker, and it's the only nice banker that I ever met, and we defended him successfully. So do you think as you've gone through the years and you've tried cases that you've made some mistakes in in how you've presented things to juries? What uh, and if you have, what do you think that uh, you've learned from it? You're asking me what have I learned from 55 years in the trial of cases? 
Yeah, you know, if you can just put it into one or two words. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned the best thing I can say is just to be who you are, to be honest, to be open, to be, if you're afraid, be afraid. If you're, if you're confused, be a confused. If you, if you don't know what to do, uh, just say, I don't know what to do. Um, to, to, to be open and to be honest is to be credible is the greatest attribute that a lawyer can have. And if he hasn't got credibility, if he can't be open and honest and real, 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 and if he doesn't know who he is and can't be real, he can't win very many lawsuits. And that's easy. Those are easy words to say. But by the time we get out of law school, we've lost most of our humanness. Uh, we've been, our, our poor, our poor uh, right brain where we feel and uh, are human has shrunk uh, by non-use. We can no longer feel when we get out of law school. You ask a lawyer how he feels and he'll say, well, I think. I think this and that. I said, no, how do you feel? I think, well, I think that he cannot feel. Uh, we have been beaten down so that all we have left of this over, this huge intellectual, uh, brain of ours that doesn't do much good for anything. It isn't much good for anything. It, uh, because you know, you can, rationalize and intellectualize yourself into any position that you want to. The Supreme Court of the United States is the best example of that that I can think of. Um, with their five to four decisions, half of them have to be have to have to have to be wrong all the time. And they're the greatest legal minds in the world and of course every evil that you can think of can be rationalized. So I've never had much I've never had much faith in uh lawyers who came into court with their clever rationalizations and their legalisms and their fancy language because it doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work is because they don't know how to communicate it with ordinary people. The reason that they can't communicate with ordinary people is because they can't be real, they can't think, they can't be, they can't share with the jury who they are, they can't therefore be credible, and they can't win. That's very simple, simply what I've learned in 55 years. I've learned that from my dogs, I've learned <laughs> it from my grandkids, I never learned it from law school. You wrote on your blog, uh, in fact, that, that most trial lawyers have, have been defrauded of their education and that even the bar exam is, is a fraud. You've been reading What's, my recent blog, haven't you? I, I've, I've been reading your blog, and, and, and I'd like <laughs> to talk more about that. But I, I wanted to talk about the trial lawyers college you started and what, what it is about that, that that trains lawyers differently than law school, say, or, or other education that they might well, get. Yes, thank you. Well, you've 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 kind of gotten a sense that I think uh, I think about communication in a little different way than than I think most lawyers do. Um, and our our trial lawyers college, which is a 
total 503, whatever that is, uh, 501c3 um, um, non-profit um, school where all of our people, except our psychodramatists, are, are, um, are volunteers, well-trained volunteers who have gone through our training for years. This is a school where you come in and you say, I want to learn how to win a case. And they ask the same questions that you do. What? How can we win cases? We're losing cases. We can't win the cases. Uh, we have this good case and, and we, we lose these cases. And the answer is, is that you have to be credible. People, the jury has to trust you. It's like walking through a forest. Uh, and you've got two guides. One is the plaintiff's lawyer in a civil case, and the other is the insurance company lawyer. Which does the jury follow? Well, it depends on credibility. So how do you become credible? And that's what we teach. And the first thing you have to do is to say, well, you have to know something about yourself before you can know anything about anybody else. Um, and so if you know something about yourself, if you are trying to learn who you are, if you learn that it's all right to feel, it's okay to tell the truth, it's all right to be afraid, it's okay to be, it is all right to be a human, whole human being. If you learn that, you will become a better person which is a condition preceding to becoming a better lawyer. So the first three days in our trial lawyers' colleges are spent in, with professional psychodramatists, which help the lawyer to find out who he or she is. And after that, we approach all of our, all of our teaching sessions, not as techniques, but as storytelling and to tell the story from a real uh, position, from a human position. And, uh, and so we don't, teach, we don't teach tricks. We don't teach um, strategy. Uh, we teach people to be real and to find out what the real story is and to learn how to tell that story in, different, in a different way uh, in every element of the trial, beginning with voir dire and ending with the final argument. So you have this trial lawyers college, you have 16 books under your belt, uh, and now you've started a blog. What What's led you to do that? What do you hope to oh, I'm, accomplish? You know, I'm just, I got somebody wrote on my blog today, I'm, see, I'm soon to be 80, and I've been talking about getting old and dying and that sort of thing, because... Most all of the people that I know grew up with are dead or wish they were. <laughs> and um, so I get this. I, I started to write some things on my blog about that. The blog is a place where I write what, what's ever on my mind or whatever I want to share with people. And so I'm writing that. And today I got a response from somebody who said, he has been appearing before a judge, I've forgotten his name already, who 
is 101 years old, a federal judge, and he says he walks up four flights of stairs to his courtroom and that very few things ever get past him. And he says, when you get to be 101, I'll start listening to you. Otherwise, you're just kind of a of a whimpering panty waster at 80. <laughs> just a young pup. Yeah, just a pup. So that I thought that was that was nice. That was a good view. It was an attitude that I I think I should adopt. You see, you learn everywhere you go. You know, we've started a new law school here in uh, at the University of California at Irvine. It's supposed to open up in uh, 2009 in the fall. We've got a prominent um, constitutional scholar, the new Dean Erwin Chemerinsky. If you were going to give him some advice about how to train young lawyers, what would you tell him? I would tell him to that I can teach what most trial I, I can teach the law to about an eighth grader, and that um, you know that the, the, you go through the law school, you go through a law school, and you don't learn anything. That's a little overstatement, but you don't learn very much, and if you. Because when you get through with law school, then you have to take a bar course to find out, to, to, to learn what you need to learn in order to pass the bar. What a fraud. What a fraud to put a trial lawyer, strike trial lawyer, to put any law, any, any young person who wants to become a lawyer of any kind through three years of school, and when he or she gets out, they can't pass the bar without taking a course. What kind of fraud is that? And what we know about these law schools is they're big money cows for the um, for the universities because it doesn't take much to cost doesn't cost much to train a lawyer the way they train them. What would I do? I would teach the lawyers what they need to know in the law to pass the bar. Uh, in the first year of law school, or maybe the last year, I don't know which. But I would then be, teach them. I, I would want them to become ex- expert communicators. I would want them to become marvelous human beings who could understand the pain and the fear, of, which is another form of pain, the the the, the, the kind of trauma that people go through who need a lawyer. You know, we can do without about everything. We can do without food. We cannot do without shelter. We can survive somehow, but most people cannot survive without justice. And this country of ours does not provide justice. The legal system is broken. The judges know it. The lawyers who deal in it, who are honest, know it. The people have been fooled about getting justice because they really can't get justice. There is they don't can't afford a lawyer. Um, it's, um, it's and so <clears throat> I would want my. Trial lawyers particularly, but any lawyer, to come out of law school being a real human being. Um, 
to, to understand human beings and to care about them, uh, to get, you know, to spend three years reading cases and writing and, and doing the casebook method is silly, absolutely silly. I can teach an eighth grader to, to I can really teach an eighth grader in about a half an hour how to brief a case. So it doesn't take three years for God's sake. Well, Mr. Spence, we need to take a short break. When we return, we're going to hear more from Jerry Spence. We'll be right back. <laughs> Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs. J. Craig Williams' blog at MayItPleaseTheCourt.com. Likewise, Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. Online video is one of the best ways to get the message out about your firm, and Legal Channels is where your firm should be. You can have your firm's video produced by TV professionals and seen on Law.com, Legal Talk Network, and YouTube. Find out more at Law.com or LegalTalkNetwork.com. Just click on Legal Channels. A video settlement documentary is a powerful tool. It can turn your plaintiff's case into money at the settlement table. Call the professionals at Skyways Communications at 781-551-9960 to find out more. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi, and uh, I and my co-host, J. Craig Williams, are talking with legendary trial lawyer Jerry Spence. Uh, Mr. Spence, you've... Uh, handled uh, countless cases. Uh, I'm not sure if you've kept uh, account of them, but certainly a number of them have been uh, notable from the Karen Silkwood case on forward. I wonder, you know, as you look back on your career, are there cases uh, that that stand out uh, as ones that you're particularly proud of of what you accomplished in them? Well, I just finished the May. The you know, you it's, it's hard. I've just finished the um, Brandon Mayfield case, which took on the Patriot Act, and we were able to get the federal district court in um, 
in Oregon to hold that the Patriot Act was unconstitutional. That's on appeal, and I'm certainly proud of that. We, we, we did something in that case that I don't think has ever been done before. Uh, we, we got the federal government to apologize to Mr. Mayfield for what they did to him, publicly apologize in writing, and to pay him a couple of million dollars. And we were able at the same time to get the, get the, the United States government to agree that we, that that was just part of the settlement. That the rest of the process could be to take the whole business to the court on the constitutionality of the, um, Patriot Act, and it's now on appeal to the United States Court of Appeals in the Ninth Circuit. So I'm sort of proud of that one. And Brandon Mayfield was the attorney in in Oregon who was uh, implicated in the, erroneously implicated in the Madrid uh, 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 train bombings. Yeah, through through the kind of infallible fingerprinting of the FBI, you know, the the FBI who says we are infallible, we, the, we and the Pope are infallible. And um, we have your fingerprints, Mr. Mayfield, on the package that contained the detonator that blew up the train in Spain in the rain. And um, so we're going to charge you, going to put you away for a while, and then we're going to charge you. We're going to put you away as a witness, a material witness, and then we're going to charge you. And then finally they've discovered, thanks to the Spanish, that it wasn't his fingerprint at all. So I guess one of the things that we have to learn again is that the government is huge, powerful, often ugly, often unfair. Like something that's huge and powerful, it is often arrogant and often wrong. Do you ever feel that we're going to get it right? Well, that's a good question. I, you know, why should we try if to, to get things? Why should we try to right this country if if it's if it's hopeless? And um, I don't. I don't know that there, I could answer your question. I don't know that we'll ever get it right. If we got it right for some, it would be wrong for others. Um, what's justice for me will be injustice for my opponent. But the process, the, the process where we have a right to come and, and, to, uh, and to try our grievances, should be beyond question, and it should be available to everybody. Uh, We can certainly spend billions every day uh, to kill people across the world and to destroy um, opponents, our opponents, and helpless men and women and children in other countries. But we can't provide 
an opportunity for our people to get justice that is real. Do you, do you think that, that's do you, something that we need? Do you think that's your biggest disappointment in life? Well, I don't know if it's my biggest disappointment in life. That's a pretty big question, but it's certainly a, it's certainly um, it's certainly a disappointment. We're getting close to the end of the time. I don't want to let you go without uh, at least one question about uh, uh, efforts to uh, rein in the civil justice system uh, legislatively and otherwise around the country. I know you were active uh, in opposing measures to uh, 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 limit uh, ability of citizens in Wyoming to recover uh, damages in medical malpractice cases. Uh, any thoughts on what's going to happen uh, in the next presidential election? Uh, what's likely to happen uh, with efforts to, for so-called tort reform or tort deform, as others would call it? Well, lawyers, I, you know, lawyers disappoint me. Lawyers uh, don't know how to fight very well. They really don't know how to fight very well, particularly for their own interests. Uh, I see doctors that are much more adamant and much better fighters than lawyers. And you have to say to yourself, why is it that doctors can fight so well and lawyers can't really fight very well for the people that they're taught, that they are trained to supposedly are trained to fight for? And the answer may be that lawyers become lawyers because they need power. And if they need power, that means that they don't really really have much uh, power of their own if they really need it. That's why they became lawyers, because they were kind of... So what I see is when I, when I look out on the, across the land, I see lawyers who have laid down and let, let the, um, the insurance companies, the power structure, the money people take over their, their states, state by state. They tried it in Wyoming. I went out, and I didn't do what the other lawyers have done across the land. These other lawyers, if you have put in a little money or put in as much money, or some of them put in millions, and then stayed home and cried when uh, the television ads didn't sufficiently um, motivate the people to do away with tort reform. I went to the towns. I went to every major town in the state of Wyoming, myself, in person, when put on a program and called for a town meeting, and I talked to the people, and I let the people know what was going on and how they were being defrauded and betrayed. And we beat it here. Beat it. And the only way lawyers can beat tort reform is to get off their duffs and go out and have town meetings and talk to the people. Let the people know it. The people finally know what is happening so that they really are really being defrauded in order to, to, uh, uh, to put more money in the insurance company, insurance company's pocket that it hasn't anything to do with their doctors. Nothing. Once they learn that, they'll defeat it. But the, but but the lawyers sit at home and want to let somebody else do the work, and they don't want to stand up and be heard, and they lose. Mr. Spence, you've um, 
got a pretty unique forum here in the sense that you're speaking generally to other lawyers, uh, quite like you have at your trial lawyers college, uh, as opposed to a jury that uh, you're typically talking to. If you're going to send a message to big money lawyers and corporate lawyers and and lawyers that, uh, as you say, went into uh, the practice to gain power for themselves, as your final thought, what what kind of message would you send other lawyers to uh, to get them to take up the cause? Well, I think that I think that lawyers get trapped. They get out of law school. They they may want to do things that are they, they they may be motivated. I think most lawyers are motivated to do justice. I think most lawyers went to law school because I, I don't think most lawyers go to law school because they want to get rich. Maybe, maybe they do it, and then those lawyers that just have a, a need to get rich by virtue of their of their profession, I have nothing to say to them. I have nothing to say to them. I think they do nothing that's worthwhile, and they've only got one life to live. And why? What, what do I have to say to them? But many lawyers get trapped when they get out of law school. They have debts to pay. They can go to work for a big law firm, the best or better, better ones, the, the strike better, the ones with the with the better grades. Get get more money. They can get in there, and it's uh, and they get. They get, they get there, and they. How do you get out? How can they get out and start to practice for for an ordinary people? It's almost impossible for them. And so the system itself traps the best minds uh, many times. Uh, I, I think it's destined to trap the best minds to represent big money, and then they're trapped. And I say to those. People, if you you know you, your lives are very short. I'm, I can't tell you how quickly mine has gone by, and how, um, how much I wish you would have the courage just to say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to represent people. I'm going to see that people get justice. I'm going to do what I can to get good judges in our in our courts. I'm going to try to make available the, uh, a dream that Americans have, that there's liberty and justice for all. Well, that about does it for our time today. Jerry Spence uh, writes a blog that appears at jerryspence.wordpress.com, and his website is at jerryspence.com. Uh, Mr. Spence, is there, a, is there a final word you'd like to share before we wrap up the program today? I thought that was a wonderful one that, that I just was. ended up with. <laughs> Happy to stop on that note. Uh, actually, I'd like to ask one more question, Mr. Spence. If you're going to, now that you've picked up blogging, do you think you have any interest in picking up what we're doing here and starting up a podcast? I don't know anything about it. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Um. I don't understand that, and I don't want to spend any more, much more time in in um, in this business of of the internet than I am right now. It's a, but it's an interesting kind of exciting new horizon uh, for me, and I'm having fun with it. Well, we hope you give it some thought and uh, hopefully pick it up because we certainly enjoy your wisdom. Thank you. And we're certainly glad you spent the time on the Internet that you did with us today. Uh, It's been a real honor to speak to you, and thanks for being with us. You're sure welcome. 
Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, Bob, our anniversary show is coming up. We're going to be celebrating our third anniversary on Lawyer to Lawyer, and we want you, our listeners, to join us on the show to celebrate. All you have to do is send us an email telling us about your experience with Lawyer to Lawyer, and we may handpick you to tell us your story here on the show. You can send an email to lawyer to lawyer, that's with the number two, at legaltalknetwork.com with L2L, anniversary guest in the title of the email. That's right, and uh, I look forward to that. And uh, again, a very special thanks to uh, Jerry Spence for being with us today. And uh, as usual, reminder to our listeners uh, that they can find Lawyer to Lawyer archive programs at the LegalTalkNetwork.com and also on iTunes. And we'll be back next week with another great topic. Thanks for listening. Thanks again. Good to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Gee Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.